You're listening to Oh Yoshi Did It Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi, Chris Gore, and Tana Manu. Episode two that I'm doing with Tanner New. We're still driving to San Francisco, and we ended the last episode getting ready to talk about porno because it had a lot of huge influence on my life and Tana. And in fact, Tana had a lot to do with me getting into the business. Him and our also our good friend and our good Jewish friend Brody Stevens. Yes. So, Tana. Thanks for doing that a second episode. I hope we could have an episode every Tuesday. You know, like like we said, we apologize for audio. We're driving, and I'm not expert at it by any means. But yeah. um, we're driving, so you'll probably hear a bunch of muffled sound. But uh, here we go. So we'll talk about porno today. We both work in the business for a long time, and I think combined almost 30. It's got to be over 30 years. Yes, I think I was in the retail side of it. You know, off and on for about. 13 years or so and then you had a, a long run and you're almost never like do you feel like completely out of it don't you have a lot of relationships and friends in the business still yeah I mean I I worked in the retail for five years and it had a lot to do with you helped me get a job with Taboo Video in Seattle yes I worked at it and first of all to let everybody know we were started talking about porno because you know I, I come from very very modest socioeconomic background. It's, so are you. And, yes. we, and, and, and I think the conversation started because we were trying to figure out how to make money and stuff, right? Yes. And I think late 90s, I was in Hawaii. It was the same day of Columbine shooting. I think April 20th, 1996 or 7. Yeah. One of those days. As I'm watching the incident in Hawaii with my cousin, he's visiting from Japan, he told me, Yoshi, if I loan you 100000 can you start a business? I really never thought about it until maybe a year or two after we were talking. You used to work at porn shop. Yes. And he told me how much he was making back then. So that piqued my interest. And it was one of the few business back then in the mid-90s to the early 2000s where you could take $100,000 invested in renting a building or or buying a building uh, filling it with merchandise hiring a few people and start it and start selling porn and start having a back room with you know video booths and things and you could get back in the black back then um, under four months you could get that hundred thousand dollars back and then you're into profit that's how quick it would that, that's how amazing the industry used to be before the internet because of the internet Mm -hmm. once again but I was part of starting stores knowing seeing the invoices knowing how much it cost to get the store how much it cost to stock the store Mm -hmm. and then I even knew when the store became profitable and it was very quick let me um, we'll get in more in detail but going even back further than that way back what was your parents' attitude, or in general, your parents and some people's attitude about sex and 
Did, you, did your parents talk to you about sex? Well, being Mormon, being raised religious, is the heaviest influence about sex, I think, over anyone's personal, cultural, or ethnic background. You know, the religion is always going to sort of set the sex level. And it's, it was just as conservative and secret as any religious upbringing is. You don't talk about sex. It's not something that's glorified. Being sexy, being showy is not preferred. You know, it's it's modesty. It's wait till you're married type of stuff. So... So there's obviously no talk with your parents, right? No. Did they talk to you? No. And it's like with most religious kids, you're left... You're left on your own when you get onto the world about what it is, what it's like, what's going to happen. You know, it's it's more than just how babies are made. There's a whole interaction between two two people that you never learn about when you're a religious person. And you come from big families. Did your brothers or sisters talk to you about that stuff? No. Nobody talks. You know, religious families, you just don't... Eventually, you're going to get old enough to get married, and you'll figure it out then, and... Under marriage, it's fine to have sex, so just wait till then. It wasn't a big mystery. It's almost like there were so many other things to do besides thinking about, you know, having sex. And I didn't have sex until 18, you know, a year or so, a year and a half, I don't know, how after high school. I was a high school virgin. I never, you know, had sex until I was in the Marine Corps because it just wasn't important to me. It just wasn't something that I thought I had to do right now, you know, as a kid. So, yeah, I don't know how Japan or how it goes in those countries. But don't you think when the parents don't talk about it, and kids are going to be curious. I mean, these days, kids have such an easy access to porn, Googling stuff. It just seems like, look, I know it makes you uncomfortable talking to your kids about sex, but if you don't, they're going to get the wrong information. Or there might be a chance they might get a bad impression of sex from people, right? Because yes. if you don't talk about it, they'll watch this extreme porn thing. That's how you're supposed to behave. Well, the the internet has changed it completely. Before the internet, sex was for making babies. And the people that didn't use it to make babies, that used condoms and that used the pill, they were kind of like sex fiends. You know, sex is for making babies. And then people that wanted more sex without making babies, they would go to porno shops, they would go to video people, theaters. It was that fringe element because sex was mostly for families and making babies. And now and and any other element to it was fringe and was more perverted. But now with the internet, young kids right away, five, six, seven, as soon as soon as they're curious enough to just want to know what something looks like, to type in a word, they they see it immediately. There isn't I There's no mystery at it. Yes. Even kids are not looking for it. Like, I remember, like, whitehouse.com. Mm-hmm. The official website address, whitehouse.gov or org. So, I think whitehouse.com, one of those, like, anything with White House, kids could be looking at something innocently, like, maybe doing research in history or whatever. There'll be White House with, I don't know, Bill Clinton getting blowjob or something. I don't know. It just, even if you're not looking for it, you'll find it. You know, so we, we, this is a different game. Kids are dealing with sex way different the way we were doing it. And stuff that we grow up, the porn that we might have found in like railroad track or garbage can or whatever, or your dad or uncle's stash, those magazines back then, like Penthouse and Playboy, it, it looks pretty mild and innocent. But these days, yes, you know it I mean? was- like, like the stuff that we grow up as a teenagers, 
It's just, uh, you the know. kids going to grow up with different shit. They were naked that. women. Mm-hmm. Or there was like a guy and a girl, but it was very like sort of romantic and all that. Now, when young kids look at sex, I think they understand this might be the first generation that thinks that sex is for fun, pleasure, and experimentation. And once in a while, you can use it to make a baby. Mm-hmm. It's completely flipped. Where, you know, sex is for making babies, and once in a while you can play around and have fun and do something perverted and something outrageous or dress up. You know, it's like, but it's flipped now. Sex mostly is always for fun, experimenting, pleasure. And when you want it to make a baby, then you can do that too. But these kids nowadays, for what they're getting, it's it's a real social experiment on what happens when a society gets access to pornography at this level. I remember kids in junior high, some kid brought like um, a Playboy. One kid brought a hardcore book, uh, about three pages of one. No, these are just kids. Mm-hmm. And I was in grade school or sixth grade or so, and I think a kid brought a page of a Playboy. It only had one side on it. It was like a woman standing there. Naked? Yeah, yeah. by a bed. Um, and it was the best. I mean, we... we hit it we shared it with each other like we passed it around one image of one woman fascinated us and we shared it and we would hide it under a um this sign so we could see it again every day at, sure. in our schoolyard we, we would see and that and that story is universal you talk to any kid around our generation maybe within the last 10 30 years old or whatever yes it's the same story they were, they were hitched that shit kids will hide those old magazine like this see scroll yes yeah, it just, is it got crumpled up. It's been saved around for a long time. Someday we're going to find some clay jars in New Jersey, and they're just going to be <laughs> filled with hustlers. <laughs> so, you know, I have to say there is there is a bit of a quaint pleasure when you don't find it, you know. It's a, there's a big payoff when it's not that easily available, but it was shocking to me. Like, these teenage kids will go to, like, chat rooms talking about the fine style of so-and-so performer or the, the, the beauty of ATM ass to mouth and uh, prolapse movies. I mean, they're really sophisticated. Yes. But it kind of sad in a way because it, it takes a lot of mystery away. It, it becomes very clinical in a way. It does. And it's funny that we're talking about it like this. Like this, It's almost like disappoint. Like there was a... You know, I, I miss the kinder, gentler porn. Yes. You know, but there was time early on when it, you're talking late 80s, the people that made porn wanted to experiment with making a real film, with acting, with a storyline, with sets and uh, soundtracks. But you know, yet, the sex parts were going to be real. We're, the sex parts in this movie, instead of making the sheets hump up and down, we're going to take the sheets off, and we're going to actually have sex. But then we'll get back to the storyline. We'll get back to the real film. They, it was, so it was people that were ballsy enough, artistic enough, and horny enough to want to try to do that. And so people in porn early on, they were all kind of serious about it. Does that make sense? They, they all wanted to see what this would be. Part of the reason, for those of you who don't know history of porn, is it's illegal protection because free speech protects you as long as if there's some kind of scientific or artistic merit to whatever that movie or book or magazine, whatever you're creating. So porn needed a story, have some element of artistic quality so it'll be protected. Well, 
you know, after that, there's many other rules and laws passed down that's no longer really the issue anymore. But now, these days, you see a lot of Gonzo stuff. And those of you who don't know, Gonzo is a basically porno movie with little or no storylines. It just yes. jump into fucking. Yes. And which, there's which a. Which is fine. I like those too. There's a lawsuit right now where there's a company that says you can come into our studio, you can hire, work, work with one of our actresses. It costs this much for the production of your video shoot. You mean the recent case in Phoenix? Right? Yes, yeah. and we'll tape it, and it's a video. And they're absolutely right. That is what the law says. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that they don't like this angle, but if you film a sex act and you pay both people, or both people are compensated in some way, even if it's telling the man, your pay will be a copy of this video. Sure. That is considered compensation for a professional act. And so he's, those people are direct, correct, and right. They're right inside the law. The law says if you film and you pay, it's not prostitution. Sorry. Even they go, well, these guys are off the streets. I can be an actor in a day. You've never heard of somebody being discovered? But, but, but the problem is these guys actually pay to do those scenes. That's the, uh, uh, believe me, because I think the prostitution should be yes. legalized. But the way they got them in, in this is like last Thursday, uh, late June 2013, in Phoenix, some warehouse, something, something, erotic media, whatever mm -hmm. the company was. I think they could have probably defend themselves if they were filming stuff and the performers both get paid. But they got in trouble because the male, yes. they pay to make a movie. Well, yes, it, so it, they should have, they would have been smarter and the money would become some kind of production costs. Mm -hmm. Like, we will help you make a porno movie, but it costs this much for the lights and the cameras and yeah. the time and like that. Then all they need is stand somebody in the corner who says they're the lighting guy, they're the camera guy, and they're the tech. And when a man pays $100 or $200, he's paying that technician to watch over the set. Yes. That's how they should have done it. And it's going to be pretty tough pulling that stuff in Phoenix. But I think, I mean, I'm curious what would happen in uh, L.A. Because the porn business is pretty protected when it comes to actually doing the business. They're going through a crisis right now because, well, I don't know if it's crisis, but they're having a problem because the city of L.A. has some law and initiative where you have to use condoms in every scene. OSHA, which is, I don't even know what OSHA stands for, but um, they're protect workers in the work environment. Yeah. So basically, porn performers have to be protected by using condoms. And as you know, anyone who watch porn, when people have fantasy, they don't fantasy about wearing condoms. No. And they, they don't, so they, they wanna, don't even want to watch people wearing condoms. Yeah. Anymore that you want to watch boxing with the people with helmets and stuff, you want to see people get knocked down. Yes. So, Anyway, if, if it doesn't have the dangerous element, it's not a fantasy. Yes. So, we were at it for a long time, and you, I think, did you tell me you got in porno business because you used to go to shop in Phoenix, Arizona? You used to go, yes, you're, there, you're a customer. There was a place that had cheap, like, magazines for, like, two bucks, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and to be, like, this is early 90s. 20, yeah. Uh, 19 years old or something like that. I go, oh, here's some cheap... It was like used, cheap magazines in this bin. And so I get stuff there, and then there was a back room where you put in a quarter, and they'd watch a little movie. Right. So you could sit back there and go, oh, and you could like look at a little movie, and like there's a little $2 magazine. So it was a little place to get your stuff out. And you're, 
and my friends, we'd all go there. We're like young men. Sure. And there was no internet. It, it's very difficult to picture this time, I know, for young people. But there was no internet. There was no box or screen that you could touch or tap on. And endless amount of boobs came flowing through. Sure. You had to go somewhere to look at boobs. You had to, it had, it didn't... Unless you're rich or yes. you're really good with ladies or whatnot. Yeah, but... And even if you were rich and you're good at with ladies, guys still want to watch porn. Yes. Because you know, porn help you with fantasy and things like that, too. So some women get mad at, like, well, we're having sex all the time with their husband and boyfriend, and they're annoyed that they still want to look at other women. Well, I got a news for you, ladies. We, that's This is how we are wired. It is a brain issue. It really is. It's a genetic thing. It's a chemical thing. You understand it more and more as you get older. But when you're young... You know, what do you do? Like, uh, I want to look at attractive women. It turns me on. I enjoy it. Wow, look at that body. And so back then, that's all the place you could go. And so as I would go there, different customers. At the time, there was a real community. Sure. Yes, there is your swingers that would go to the theaters and swap their wives and watch uh, their, their, you know, Here's their another girlfriend thing. get gang banged and stuff. Here's another thing with the young people. They used to have porno movie theaters. Yes. Guys used to go in because yep. there was a time there was no VCR and DVD player. Yep. So where does a guy watch porn movies? You literally had to go to porn movie theater. Yes. The famous one was Pussycat Theater in Southern California. Yes. Uh, even world famous Quentin Tarantino used to work one. I think he used to work one in Torrance. Because my aunt used to have a bar right behind it. And I remember Pizzagat Theater used to have all the classic golden age porno from the 80s and 70s. Remember Deep, Deep Throat was a huge sensation. Everybody, husbands and wives and people on dates went to go see Deep Throat. It was a huge cultural phenomenon. Johnny Carson went. Yes. Warren Beatty. You know, you have big name people went to see it. It was considered as watershed moment in uh, free speech. In the, yes. In, you know. And, and a time where an American adults could sit in public and look at other naked adults having sex and find a humor and find a theater and find a like some sort of opera in it without it just strictly being, you know, shitholes and cocks. There, there, was, there was an ability of our society to sort of wink at it at one time. And, and, you know, people forget, because, uh, you know, I'm a lot older, but the, the uh, Times Square, 42nd Street, a lot of adult business with movies. Yes. When you go places like Boston, the Combat Zone, they used to have burlesque and porno shop, uh, movie theaters, and there's a place called The Block in Baltimore where you have a lot of adult business. You know, internet really took that away. Yeah. And, you know, it's changed, but it, it's, it's been around, you know... We just have a, just a funny hang-up attitude. Brothels were widely available a long time ago. That's, yeah. You know, whether people admit it or not, they used to have brothels. I think we were more hush-hush about it in this country, but there was brothels. Yes. Well, now they're just like the uh, massage parlors and stuff now. Yeah. But then, you know, remember, I started working around these stores and selling stuff. Do you remember any of the names of stores in Phoenix? In the late, actually in the late 80s, mm -hmm. you know. And, uh, yes, that was just for fun. Used to work there. Was the name of one of them. Now that was like a compound. They had the theater upstairs. Oh, you it, took me there. I remember that. Yes, it had the shows in the mm -hmm. back, and then it had the retail floor. I started in, you know, like I said, around '89, and we half the store was still beta tapes back then. <laughs> we sold beta and VHS, and yeah. VHS was the new technology. 
Um, and very few people had beta players. And uh, VHS, you could thank the Japanese. I don't know which high-tech company in Japan, but there was a group of Japanese uh, after work on their free leisure were trying to figure out new technology to record videos. And it was the Japanese who were able to make VHS, if I remember the history. Okay. Right. And, uh, you know, we'll talk more about the porn and adult business in Japan. But, yeah, sure. VHS was, was a humongous... Thank you, Japanese. Uh, ...help to yes. allow people have people to have freedom to look at these things. Because I just think it's, 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 it's if you have physical health, mental health, there is element of sex health, healthy parts. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay to look at these things. Because I think it's necessary, especially for men. Uh, especially, especially about porno. You know, it's, it's, men are visual, not women. So it's like vitamins, and ladies. It's nothing against you. You know, you guys provide the the, the nourishment through sex. Yeah. But sometimes it's not enough. We still need vitamins to survive. Yes. And porno, pornos are vitamin. And there is no way for the modern man to find. At least, maybe now there is. But back in the '80s. To find an outlet like this, to be able to go and look at a movie in the back, go up into the theater, uh, some guy's wife is blowing four dudes, go back down, take a magazine and a tape home. Or you could go up into another part of the building and rent your own tape to watch in your own room by yourself. And that's what I did mostly when I was young because I don't. I don't want to bother with anybody. I literally needed a place to be alone, and that's what these shops were for many, many of us. They weren't little uh, where we would go and try to. What do they go? The cruising joints, right? Where a lot of gay guys, a lot of sort of secret perverts, and and you know slide around in the dark. There'd be regular dudes, college age guys, guys after work. It just. There was no other outlet. If you wanted to, like, look at some naked women and pop one off, you had to go to one of these places. And it was... You specifically talking about those middle booths? You put money and you watch a movie and jerk off in there. You're talking about that? Yes. Okay. And it was... You know, among us men, there's a real understanding among certain guys. You know, again, there's different groups. But I was always in and around the fans of porn and the, the different guys that found the same reason that we had no place to go there were families they were like roommates and we couldn't go anywhere and so eventually start seeing the same faces at these places and the owner of the place asked me one day do you know i hear you talking with other customers and stuff and you kind of know about this and that would you want to work here he literally offered me a job and so i said sure and that's how i started and became really knowledgeable, really understood the psychology of these guys. You know, my brothers, they were here in privacy. It was more, it was more than being a bartender, more than being a priest, it's more it's, than being a librarian. It's interesting you, you say bartender because I was going to say, for those of you who's ever watched that great NBC sitcom, Cheers, whenever... Uh, Customers walk into the bar, they won't say that person's name. And like, there's like a communal funness to go with the porn shop. Yes. It's, it's not like a, I mean, it can be a seedy place, but if you run it really well, the key is making you feel comfortable 
in a place where they could be themselves to purchase a product or service when I say service and like going to the booth and looking at the movies they want to look the freedom to have that without being judged because I think most customer knows that well if these guys are working at the porn shop they're scumbags they're not going to judge me and we don't we don't really judge we're trying no. to help you because oftentimes I, we, you and I we probably get at this a lot of guys going there to buy something magazine or movies or toys but mostly they talk to us because they can't talk to their wife or girlfriend because they're, they're just afraid if they ask their wife or girlfriend to do something or it, it creep them out or yes. reject it make the girlfriend angry or whatnot it's, it's, a, it's a very precarious situation I don't judge yes. them at all no and it's also unlike sports talk it's not like sitting around at a Hooters and talking about who's going to win the NBA playoffs and having that connection and those statistics to share. You know, we're baseball guys, or however people are bound together, the same religion, etc. Except in porn, I should say, you're, you're the ass guy, you're the yes, tits guy. Yes, yes, you like boobs, you like tits, you like feet, you like legs, you like trannies, you know, you you're like blondes. MILF movies, MILF, Asians. Gay movies. Yes. Yeah. And for people to expose that about themselves, and then feel comfortable and then almost feel loved with their choice these old shops were very were very special places i they kept people sane they let you come in there and be normal when you were not normal anywhere else in the world and some guy a guy would come in and say i'm looking for women in high-heeled shoes stilettos boots patent leather buckles on you know on their feet but then they're also driving big trucks and working the clutch and the brake and working the gear shift in these heels and in this footwear and this guy even brought a picture and showed me like these kind of trucks big old vintage Fords big old vintage Dodges and, and I see and I can tell this is always a brain thing for all of us and again, you know, friend of the show, Ogie Ogas, uh, covers this in A Billion Wicked Thoughts about all, this is brains. This is why we're perverted, why we're attracted to something is how we are wired. So when this guy comes in, you begin I to- I can't, I can't even say perverted. We're just, those are the cues that we, yeah. that we like. People try to make something that is natural perverted that to me that's the perverted that's part the perverted us. part is that our brains are not giving us a choice to feel this way it is literally is not up to us and so that's what we talk about being straight that's what we talk about being gay it literally isn't a choice and so this guy is triggering off these big chrome bumpers the thickness the heaviness maybe his father drove one maybe he was raised around them he's he's getting some pleasure from the size and age and what these trucks are made of. Maybe it's the curves. It's also possible that maybe his first sexual feelings or yes. sex, sexual experience was nearby. I don't know. I mean... Yes, and that really has a lot to do with uh, your wiring, too, as your first experiences and influences. And it's why we love a certain type of food. It's grandma's house, the sights, the smells of Thanksgiving. Th those get ingrained in you when you're young, and they'll always give you a tingle every time you smell like a cinnamon muffin or something. Sure. And in the same way, these, these same things that get us into liking certain something, the reasons disappear. All you're left was what you like. 
You just know that I want to see a girl in high-heeled stiletto shoes working the clutch and the brakes of a big truck. He just knows that. That gets his dick hard. It's what turns him on. And so look at what happens to the human psyche when it's evolution, really, it's, it's hoping for baby making. But this guy's twisted it, turned it all the way. That same baby making evolutionary sense has turned all the way into a woman in high heels driving trucks. And what's difficult for people, unless you work in this business and you understand porn at this level, it's very difficult for people to understand how that's the same thing. That wanting to make a baby is wanting to see women driving trucks with high heels on. It, it makes people uncomfortable. That's why religions hate all this. Because to them, the want to have a, the preciousness of sex is for baby making. It's a gift of God. It's to bind two people who love each other eternally all the way to heaven. And it's not that. Sometimes it's driving trucks in sharp-toed shoes. And, and it's... It, you know what I mean, Yosh? Yeah. It's, it's hard to get there for people. They, they don't... They want to throw away the guy as a pervert, put him in jail. What's he going to do next? Nothing. He's going to search the world and try to gather images of what he wants. So, you know, we'll, we'll discuss in detail other stuff like this, but... So you work, work in the Phoenix place. How long did you work there? Probably, um, maybe three years. And what, what, what kind of stuff surprised you? Because before you worked there, you probably had a preconceived notion. But once you start working, what kind of stuff surprised you? Um, the amount of couples, the amount of men that found pleasure, again, this is, a, this, is this era, in sharing their wives, in wanting to watch someone else with the person they were with at home alone all like day. Cuckle, cuckle stuff. Yes. Yeah. And in a real way, I mean, and politicians, firefighters, cops, teachers, regular people, you'd get to know their professions and who they were. And they uh, would be swingers and they would share their wives and they would want to see strangers with their wives and it, th that was really weird to me. How... How they get pleasure by seeing their wife. Yeah, how could wife they do that? girlfriend get it fucked? Yeah. Now, now, I know in the end, it's, it's, a, it's an ownership thing. It's, it's, most sex has only two components. They're submissive and dominant. And, and there's just there's all kinds of flowery, feathery, fancy ways that we do that. But there's really no way, there's no position you can get out of that truth. Missionary is... The man dominating the woman. The woman on top is the woman dominating the man. It's like you, there's nothing you, you, it's very hard to make sex equal. It truly is. It's extremely difficult. Even two men can't figure it out. Two women can't make an even playing field. I could, be, I could be wrong, but like when I was talking to Ogie, and I'm sure before Distance released, that episode with Ogie will be released, but my understanding why some people are into cuckold is because when you see when when men sees a penis it's, it's one of the sexual cues because it brings that competitive nature of yes men. so it's not I, I, I don't I don't want I don't want to say it's a gay thing because it's really not but I think when when guys are into cuckold basically they get excited because the competitiveness that will come out 
because when they see some guy fucking his wife, he'll bring the competitors to the back, you know. So when the guy's done with her, the husband or boyfriend want to go and prove he's a more of a man than that person, you know. Yes. Even even Ogi was explaining to me the reason why penis are shaped like the arrow mm-hmm. is because when you penetrate, that the, the spongy arrow part will penetrate the vagina and literally pull the other guy's sperm out of there. Yes. So penetrate in and out, you pull the vagina out, I mean the sperm out of the vagina, then the reason why men go floss after ejaculating because once you ejaculate inside there, your penis is flossing, it's not hard arrow anymore. Yes. So the sponge part, I mean the, the, the top of the head of your dick will not pull your sperm out of there. Yes, it's not a shovel anymore yeah. to scoop it out. And so, what's so uncomfortable at, about that fact at least that's one of the evolution explanations yes that is one of the explanations of the shape and what it's meant to do now what's uncomfortable about that fact I was was about to say with when you talk about evolution and biology and going to guys like you know like Richard Dawkins in his book talks about how you know the cheetah and the antelope are both as fast as each other because of each other Mm -hmm. And that the antelope would be slower if the cheetah didn't run as fast. Right. They, they're going to stay kind of right. They're going to stay very competitive right there. And Of course, because if, 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 if they're not as equally fast as the cheetah, they'll be dead. Yes. So only, and so, only the ones that survive actually pass on the same trait. Yes. And so these traits get to pass be on. good. They get kept. They work. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the fact about the penis and the sperm and the scooping out, it means that women should be I know they don't say so they should be pretty okay with several several partners in fact multiple ejaculations in them a day by different men now if women don't say that that's what their minds are like and that's what they're comfortable with we have to believe them but evolution would disagree sorry the shape of the penis says ladies either you are held down multiple times a day and you've been taken and our penises have formed to be to be sperm scoopers yeah. or the woman itself the evolutionary female human has learned has adapted and says the most successful thing is to do ladies whisper whisper is to let a whole bunch of dicks nut in you all the time <laughs> now ladies our dicks wouldn't look like this if that's not how you were that's what's uncomfortable about evolution and science is we can't go there women are pious women want one man women are nervous about the penis okay fine 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 we can't really tell the truth because ladies the shape of our dicks say that you're whores No, <laughs> but, but I think a lot of the women are okay with one guy. It's it's other way around. I they think, are. I, I think even Ogi was telling. Me, I don't remember where Ogi Ogas got this. His he's a, used to be a former professor at Boston U, but he was telling me some historical text where we have this stereotype in you know right now or for however long long time we have this image that it was the women who created marriage. It's actually Ogi was telling me some historical text. Basically, it was men who made idea of marriage because it's always going to be a, some alpha guy, a king or whatever you want to call him. King Solomon had a, thousands of women. One one male alpha guy will 
own bunch of women. So it's these guys who can't get any women are upset by that. So they create this whole notion of marriage so they could have a one wife or one sexual partner. Like, you know what I mean? Like the stereotypes that guys complain these guys and the pretty typical premise, like hacky material for guys where it's women who create marriage. No, according to this professor friend of mine, there was men because they're unable to keep a woman for themselves. They don't want one guy to hog everyone. That they so create they created marriage. like a contract system. Right. To me, that's more believable. Um, because I think me, so. when, 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 women, when, when men can't get frequent sex or, and that's what it is, marriage to a lot of these primitive cultures, it's just, you have a mate to have sex with. Well, just imagine when you have an imbalance like in China where there's more girls than boys, it, there's going to be a fucking problems, you know. I think so. And that's one of the, th these are all the, some of the things that we are like discovering in the working with people that love porn. There's some kind of expertise that that we get from the experience that even the women are from Mars, the men are from Venus, even the doctor feels, even everybody that thinks there's some sort of clinical sexual psychologist, did you sell porn to Americans for 13 years? That, I mean, if you can't say yes, you know what I mean, Yosh? Yeah. I feel like I know more than you. I, I know you're 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 a PhD. You're the head of sexual studies at Harvard. I get it, but there, there's just something you can't describe about the knowledge, about what you learn truly. I'm talking about Sunday afternoon men coming in in a suit with the Jesus bird or the Jesus cross bird, yeah, you know, a lapel. They yeah. just came from church. The cologne, the the manicure. Maybe even an official at the church. Maybe even a, a high up a reverend or somebody, you know. Do you ever do this? Um, I used to work in Taboo Video. I used to work at Elmo's Bookstore in Lakewood, Washington. Taboo Video is in Seattle. R&R, one of the best stores in Pacific Northwest, is in Bellevue, Washington. Yes. So you and I, we have a lot of experience working in different retail business. We have access to computer where we have clients, customers renting movies. It always makes me laugh when I see... Oh, this guy's a preacher. I remember him. Oh, this guy used to be my teacher yes. in junior high. And you look at the record of stuff they were renting, and you know, you'd be shocked. You'd be shocked. I mean, we we get it. We you know every... everybody think it's only perverts, but believe me, this is no multi-billion-dollar business. It's it's believe me, people are watching the dope stuff. The uh, hard drive of a porno shop in the '80s and '90s, the customer list is everyone is its own Kinsey report. Each one will tell you so much about our society. Every register's information. These guys would come in with a Jesus lapel, fresh out of church, right to the gay stuff, right to tranny. Uh, they would pull in a homeless man to suck the homeless man's dick in the back. Yeah. And then go right back, wedding ring, freshly polished, back home to play this pious religious guy and I remember some of the busiest days at porno shop was Christmas Easter and Thanksgiving especially in those times you might have to spend time with families it is very strange when you see people on Christmas come into porno shop because they don't want to spend time with their family they rather go to a jack shop buy movies yes rent a movies uh, buy magazines buy toys on and on 
man, it's just one of those things like people don't feel comfortable talking about it, but we've been, you and I have been talking about it for years. Now, we have our good friend Ogiogas, professor who brought science to human sexuality desires. I just feel like Ogi is more like playing a classical music, whereas you and I, we play jazz, improvisation, and we know gut feeling what sells, yes. what people are into. Yes, and that's but, why... But, but sometimes we don't know why people are into something, and this is where Ogi is like, you know, other side of the coin, you know what I mean? So yes. I want to... I hope we talk more of this kind of shit. What it what it turns into for me, Yosh, to see if you feel the same way. Mm-hmm. It's like being a top scout. It's like being a blue chip scout. You have the eye. Mm-hmm. And people that can do that are considered really great. Oh, so-and-so discovered this basketball player when he was 13. So-and-so could see in the swing of this kid yeah. in junior high. He was the next Ken Griffey. There's something happens when you have the eyeballs on the people like we have, and you're in the parties, you're in the homes, you're in the stores, you're at the conventions, you're in the hotel rooms. Now, even now, and till I die, I can look at just about everybody and know what they're into. Did you feel like that sometimes? I, I'm glad you said that because I used to like, I used to, okay, so when I, used to, when I, from day one, I used to remember like, people walking and this is the game I used to play and I bet you used to do this and we never talked about this I remember people walking I, I tried to do this game where I'll write down like I bet this motherfucker is going to buy these kind of movies <laughs> yeah. in, in, in the beginning you know you see like a fat trucker looking guy yeah and you're like oh he's going to get like you know some little white chick big black monster deck whatever then it's always surprising when they go to gay section like whoa whoa threw me but then you add that into your Rolodex yeah now you go next time I'll know better and, and like if you work there long enough you're uh, hitting like baseball analogy you're batting average figure out batting average anyway um, you average a figure on somebody getting something it, it gets better and better like you get gut feeling you do and you can look at people like I'll see a couple out like I'm at the movies a bunch of couples in line. Mm-hmm. I'm like, she doesn't put out, he eats her ass, mm-hmm. both of them are faking it, he's gay, she doesn't know, um, she's a total cock whore. It's like, and they're not dressed outrageously, mm-hmm. they're not standing out doing anything, it's just I have, I can tell in the posture, I can tell in, in what, ju- what jewelry they chose, how their hair is, what how the guy, if his shirt is buttoned up or not, and how many, did he roll his sleeves up? We, you know, we've seen literally hundreds and thousands of examples of guys that like big boobs, mm-hmm. guys that like redheads. I know what they look like. And there's something, there's another study that we could do with Ogie maybe about physical characteristics matching mm-hmm. your sexual preference. Yeah. You know, you can look at a guy and go, oh, he fingers himself when he jacks off. <laughs> like, like, you could just... But have you noticed like, like the slutty girls, like... With the eye, that's, yes. the, that's the thing. Yes. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but the way they stare or look with girls, I could really tell. And this is not this is not something that is comfortable to talk about. Yeah. But sometimes, even like when I meet like a young girl, I mean, I'm talking like four, five, six years old. Do you ever have that feeling? Like you have this feeling, like Jesus Christ, this girl is going to be really slutty. Um, Well, you know, it's like, it's hard to go there because we don't want to sort of sexualize children. But there's something true about uh, even a boy that's a little more rambunctious. He kicks a little harder. He swings the stick. He's just like a little asshole. You can envision what that, what kind of man he will be. 
by how his rambunctiousness as a boy, and yes, young girls have those same triggers towards sexuality, but boys can have those triggers towards sexuality. I'm saying a girl can show young athletic abilities, but certainly there's a look, there's a turn of the hip, there's there's a flick of the, the ear, that where you know if you had been in this business long enough even and, it, and it's not something that people no, are comfortable talking no, about no but even if somebody's very very young mm-hmm. you can see it in them and even when somebody's very very old you can see it in them like yeah. that old bitch is, would suck my dick yeah I can't believe how she's looking at me and yes so those are the uncomfortable areas the, the, the top and the bottom the studies are always going to be foggy because we don't like sexuality of children because they've been molested and abused for so for those reasons yeah. and I'm not even talk, I'm not even talking about those kids but I think, the same thing about old people we don't yeah. like thinking about 80 year olds fucking but you know they do, they do and what is it like for them you know we should anyway and it, it just people think that once kids become adult like 18 then they become sexual but I'm telling you those feelings are half is way younger yes in average, kids probably like 10, 11, 12. I mean, you have those feelings. Well, I heard these, you know, you know, was it Oprah or some talk show was having like how there was this issue in the country of like uh, fifth graders. Was it was it two groups of fifth graders were doing it? Penetration, porking each other on their desks when the teacher was like, I need 20 minutes, I'll be right back. And then there was like girls were blowing boys. We're talking fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Um in the corner of the room and the kids are clapping and laughing and it's like because the internet shows such a simplicity and fun and goofiness with sex people are dancing around there's um i just somebody told me about and i looked up this um cfnm clothed clothed females naked men Mm -hmm. cfnm yeah so parties of women a bachelorette party a big group a club of chicks in their clothes dancing around and then a naked dude runs around and they jack him off they blow him they they play with you know like that and if you're seeing that as a child there's nothing about a baby making energy there's there's no family there's the dick is fun you're supposed to flap it around you're supposed to swing your dick around and girls cheer for it and they love it and they suck on it and and yeah. I think I think porno like that is probably more pro woman because there's nothing uncomfortable about that. And I'm sure yeah. in a vast majority of porn is consensual, vast majority. And some women get uncomfortable seeing a one girl surrounded by two, three, four, five, six guys. That's really uncomfortable. But I think movies that you're talking about, it's almost like some of it's kind of fake. It's like, you know, there's like a bunch of regular girls just happen to be in the room with Sprinkle of porno girls pretending to be like a regular girl. Yeah. The guys just kind of goof around the dick is dick out, and the girls kind of you know embarrassed whatever. But some girls just start sucking dick off. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. But that to me, like, there's more women, so they feel more comfortable. They don't feel like overwhelmed by masses of fucking dicks trying to harass yes. them. You know. Yes. So I think that's a more of a fun porno for girls to so check it out. And so that's what. Um is happening to young people is that they're seeing that sex is not connected to anything that has to do with moral obligation or religious reasons nothing yeah it's just for fun it's for partying and then it's whether people believe it or not 
women like sex too. You that's know? what I'm saying. That's that's what the shape of the penis would say. Yeah. That's, all, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Um, and not only that, another uncomfortable fact. It's Ogie didn't first find this. It's, we we found it generations ago. Women have a propensity for wanting to be raped, fantasizing about having it taken from them. It's not just always a pain and suffering thing, but it's a it's a release of the stress for the woman. Just fucking take it. Oh, I wish oh, oh, I wish sometimes I could just not even be part of the process. And there is something about women that want to be dominated, but, but yes, but uh, we need to be careful because. It's a fantasy. It doesn't it mean is a, yes. it's a fantasy, but that doesn't mean they want it to happen. That's no, but what we're saying is there's something in the psyche of the woman mm-hmm. that is a dilemma for them because there's something about wanting a man to forcefully take it. And that now we've turned it into dating, we've turned it into wait your turn, we've turned it into pulling the boy's hand out of your blouse, young lady, uh, pushing your skirt back down, young lady. Mm-hmm. It's turned into that, but it, there's, of course, there's a, I hold off and the boy comes at it. Yeah. And so that is a, the, in the in the softest, most romantic way, it's a woman wanting to be dominated, needing the man to go past her defenses. Um, when a woman says no, it isn't no, unfortunately. As a society, we need to make sure it does mean no. Our law enforcement, our political will, and our government needs to make no, no. But science says that when a woman says no, the needle doesn't jump. <laughs> it's, it's an, it is just an ugly, again, we're amazing bags of you're saying sometimes energy and you're saying sometimes women say no, but they don't really mean no. The needle, yes, that's what the studies have shown. That there is a fake resistance and a hope that the man still crashes through the gate. Now that's clinical that, research. But that might that might be true. But believe me, when they say no, I'm keeping it as no. It's no, no, no. Yes, it's no. We need to make sure it's no. Is what I'm saying. We need to override the women. It's like that and joke. make sure it's always no. It's it's like that joke that Louis C.K. talk about. Like he was dating some. Uh, they were he was out with a, a waitress or something, and um, and he kind of tried to make a move or something, and and she didn't seem that receptive, so he didn't do anything. The next day she goes, "Well, how come you didn't make a move? I like to be like almost a point of getting raped or something." And he basically says something like. I'm not going to rape you just because in chance there might be a chance that you might be into it. There's no way for you to know for certain, you know? So, I'm just saying, no is a no. I'm just keeping it as a simple policy. That's what I'm saying. We like, need to make it no. It has to be no. But what science has studied and what the romance novels tell us and what the internet searches say, no isn't no. There's something about come and get you mean, it. You mean like sometimes it's not no. In the psyche of the woman, there is a real... Is it what we take? ...want and hope. Wait, did we go too far? Yeah, we did go far. Fuck. Oh. We're supposed to turn... Okay, where do we go now? All right, sorry, we missed a freeway to exit, so we're kind of fucked. But anyway, um, 
And I, that conversation, I'm not gonna lie to you, makes me a little uncomfortable. What do you mean, science proved that women might get raped? There's well, a difference like, between fantasy, though. Yes, yes, no, no. It's not want to be raped. Evolution has put into the process that the woman should resist the man as a test. The man then, if he can come sort of evolution, solve her ev- riddle, ev- if ev- he can solve her mystery, evolution, he can have the evolution prize. Evolution or culture? I think evolution. But who says, what scientist said that? Well, I'm going I'm not, to... I'm not saying you're wrong, but this yes, is... I'm I, don't want, I don't want anyone to get an idea like they go and rape people. Because I don't know who. No, I'm saying that our novels, what Ogi has learned and studied, this is women in secret typing things in. Why would a woman type in rape me, rape fantasy, tie me down? Why would they do that? They obviously don't want to be raped. It's just a fantasy, sure. Yes, but where is the fantasy stemming from? Why has evolution made, given that woman that, and then given many women that? Why is it in the evolution of us? This this thought that the woman has of, even though I'm resisting a man, mm-hmm. a good man will push through my resistance and take it. Now, we have these examples in Avatar, when the man controls and takes over that thing that he's going to fly on, right? He's picking the monster that's going to be his flying. <laughs> Wait, you make an Avatar reference? Yes. All right. No, this, this, is, this is why the psychology of this works. It's over and over again. If he can conquer and beat up that thing, he gets it. Mm-hmm. Now, I started there to go back to the beginning, when he fought and got his ass kicked by the girl. Until he was able to beat her up, she didn't respect him. Until he was able to be a better fighter than her. And there's I mean, this. I, I, I could live with this notion that men want to dominate, and some women, a lot of women want to be dominated, but I, I guess I need to hear which scientists say that science proved that women want to get raped. No, I don't know why you keep saying that. It sounds like that. Why? Wait, okay, then I'm not. What am I not saying? I'm saying that when women right. type in secret things, they type in rape. So the women are typing in rape, says Ogie. So now, why are they typing that in? It's just a fantasy. It's a fan. But where does it come from? The society that I enjoy bruised-faced women on the news. I enjoy hearing that women get punched in the gut and then fucked in the ass. Is it possible that some women, it's, some women, might fantasize about or daydream about a certain kind of food? It's. I think it's where, just a kind of appetite, right? I think where it stems from. I think it's deeper. I think it's in the evolution of. What makes a good baby? Mm-hmm. How to pick a strong human yeah. by picking a strong partner. All right. And women... I can go with that. Yes, and what has evolved in women is, if this guy can't push through a little this and that, he's a pussy. Mm-hmm. He's not a good earner. He's not a good meat killer, yeah. right? He's not... He's Because he can't even handle trying to get me. So what kind of father, what kind of hunter, what kind of protector is he going to be right. if he can't dominate me? And there, I think there's something ingrained in that choice because it's important for the health of the child. The, the strength, I don't have, the I don't have, I don't the have any problem with everything you said. It was just yeah. confusing that um, five, ten minutes ago, it sounded like you were saying science and evolution proved that women want to get raped. No, I mean, you're saying it like too harshly, but I know what you're saying. 
Yes, that there's there. Okay, is, I just want to make clear that people listen to that. They're clear that we're. Yeah, you and I, we're not saying that. Oh yeah, I, I hope I haven't at all. I think okay. I, I, what I'm saying is there's something ingrained. I, I could live with fantasy, but yes, yeah. but I'm saying that there's a dominance test mm-hmm. built into the choice making for the female. Okay. And that comes out of the caves. That comes from way down in our penal gland, I think. There's there's like... So you're saying men and women are wired that way? Yes. Okay. And if you look at how many eggs a woman have, finite amount, there's a reason she stops. Evolution gives her only so many chances, and where, yet the where, men seem endless. Endless, sure. So I think even in that sense, the man is endless in his, like, baby-making stuff, while the woman's is finite. It, it shows that the woman's choice is more precious. She doesn't have things to waste. She has to be more refined in her decision-making. Mm-hmm. A man can look at a nice set of hips, breasts, and see everything he needs evolutionarily in his eyes. It's there. She'll make a good baby. I can pick her. But a woman needs... Well, it's in, a, it's in her best interest because she, when she's pregnant, life is very uncomfortable for her. She yes. needs protection, you know. And she, yeah, she needs like... Uh, uh, security protection. She needs good genetic material for a strong baby. Sure. So there is no way to look at a man and know all those things. Is he kind? Is he a hard worker? Will he protect me? Will he make a good baby? And so the woman needs tests. She has developed evolutionarily, I think. Again, please, uneducated opinions. Always from Tana. <laughs> These are uneducated opinions. I think that. But modern times, people don't do it. They they test it for different things, like having a great job, having money. You know, those are the things. I'm, uh, I mean, obviously, if you're if you're if you're around four thousand or five thousand years ago, you don't think about what kind of car they're driving because that wasn't an issue back then. Yes, the issue was: are you able to protect her and bring shelter yes. and place to stay? So, you know. and so some of those. So a woman has and built. The, and in, those are fair thing for women to ask. Yes. And so... And it's not fair to call them gold diggers, really. No, no, but I, but I think that playing coy, you know, come and chase me. Maybe I like you, maybe I don't. I think it's the process, that's built into the process. I don't, I don't think that Shakespeare invented that. I think it's, it's necessary to pick good partners for the women. Sorry, we're back. We had... Uh... We didn't want to miss another uh, freeway. All and right. so, yeah, I, that I think that the choice-making process for the woman does include a, a resistant element that the man is supposed to break through, proving evolutionary quality. That if he can't handle this, if he doesn't want to want, if he doesn't want me, then I don't want him. You know, it's kind of, you know, men want women, women want to be wanted. For sure. You see what I'm saying? Of that's course. kind of what I'm trying to talk about. That there's something in the whole process that's yeah. true about our genetics. That I might have, I might have misunderstood, but it just, it, it's, it's, that shit is just worrisome. I, I don't want people there. What, is, what does Ogie say about what, what are women meaning when they're typing in rape and domination and tie me down and, and beat me up? You know when housewives are typing that in. What, what? Only thing I remember was it's 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 women. Some women have a fantasy of being dominated, and of course, getting raped is 
extreme form of domination. Uh, I don't recall him saying scientifically proven that you know they want to get raped. It's just fantasy. It's just, just fantasy. Any more than people, some guys get angry at somebody. They they just imagine to kill someone. I think it's okay when you're angry at somebody. You have this thoughts in your head because you're angry. The big difference is you just don't do it. But I think I don't think it makes you a bad person to think about murdering somebody or raping somebody. You just don't fucking do it. Yes. It only makes you human. For you to pretend like you don't have those feelings, I, I, I kind of question as a human being, you know. Um, so anyway, we. Um, I'm, so sure, I'm sure we'll cover and the more readings we have and maybe even talk to people who are expert and someday, you know, maybe we could sit down and talk to Ogie or whatever, but, um, and it is a bit, a bit controversial, but, so, you know, you worked in a porn shop for years. Yes. And then you worked for a long time in, in the, on the retail side of it. And that's when we started going to the conventions. Sure. And my first convention was 93 or four, I think somewhere on there, 94. And, um, so it was at the Sahara. That's when it was still at the Sahara Hotel in one of the ballrooms. And Sahara doesn't even exist anymore. No. So that way, I just caught the end of the golden era. You know, when when the AVN Awards was like folding chairs and napkins. AVN, and for was, those of you who don't know, it's adult video news. It's an industry standard in the States. It's a magazine, industrial uh, magazine that covers porn business for a long time. And in the, So you went to porn convention 93, 94? Um, yes. Always, uh, for no reason, on my own dime, and using the excuse that I worked for these stores. Sure. But the stores didn't endorse me, and they didn't send me there. Um, and, and oftentimes, and this is true for a lot of different business, people who usually run this business, they really don't give a shit about porn. It's simply a, a means to make money. But I think yes. you and I, we were different. We were, like, really fan of porn, and we like people in the business. It's the last pirate ship for me. It was, like, I'm looking around at people picking identities in, in your early 20s, and do I want to roll up my jeans and be a punk? Do I want to uh, go work on Wall Street? Like, how do I define myself, and sure. who am I? And for me, I, I've always leaned toward the pirates and the underground people. And, you know, the cash workers and the handshake culture. And in the adult industry, to me, was the final rebel. And it catered to my sensibilities. I liked the people that did it. I got why they did it. I liked that everybody hated them while they made something that everybody wanted. And that dichotomy and you know, that's really great. catered to my sensibilities. We live in a society that's very religious. I think it's because we're so religious in the USA, porn is so much more popular because Europe, and especially in Eastern Europe, they're not really that religious. And I think they're just, there's not a huge stigma on porn like the way we have it over here. So I think they have a healthier attitude, but it's because we have such a sh shitty and like really weird attitude about sex, there's so much money in that business. Yes. If, it, if it's not as open like Japan, where it's not a big deal to be in porno business, you know? So we have such a big hang-up. I like, I like when I went to convention, it was fantastic. There's something about people fuck completely naked, they're fucking in front of camera. I mean, there's nothing more to bring judgmental eyes. 
There's nothing more open and honest than doing porn. I mean, if you think about it. And these people that did it, knowing they were, like, vilified and hated, when they're alone, when they're in their own convention, and I saw when they were with each other what camaraderie there was. And, again, we're talking about we're getting to the golden era, right? In the late 80s, early 90s, it began when it went full DVD for the next few years. It was unbelievable you couldn't you couldn't make enough porn you couldn't ship it fast enough it was just the you know right before the internet and but building up to that getting to know these these guys from the 80s the and their background stories getting chased out of hotels getting arrested um, having to do it secretly in people's yards and you know in in little shitty motels having to go to jail it was it was a real wild world the you know, way back, Shannon McCullough, Mark Wallace, you know, even further back than that. John Leslie. To John Leslie. Alex Derenzi. Yes. Uh, was it Rick Savage? Gregory Dark, Randy West, John Stelliano. Yes, and then even all back to Jean Valjean and back to the New York guys. And like, you know, um, what was that one? There was an old, I used to find these old tapes from the 70s sometimes in some of the shops. You know how they had used yeah. beat up VHS tapes? Why am and I forgetting his name? The kinkiest guy in the porn um, um, from New York. Jamie Gillis. Yes, he's the number one. Yes, when I met Jamie the first time, it was really a thrill. Like, and I, I even it's like a kid meeting a Michael Jordan. Yes, and I, and I remember going, man, there's this one scene in this one movie where you do this, and he knew it immediately, and he took me right there. Yeah. Oh, she was great, man. This girl, you know what? She had been working in this and this, and I first met her, man. She was so hot, wasn't? I go, man, and he goes, and I just, and he just went into it. You talk about a love and a passion. When you talk about what must have been like to meet artists, to meet someone that lives it, that breathes it, that lives in the studio that never takes off the headphones, you know, these guys live in porn too. Yeah. They, they have passion beyond what you could imagine. Their horniness, it just never, it's, it's not horniness on their level. It's, it's totally spiritual, <laughs> you know? It's like, and these a lot of guys times, love it. A lot of times these new male performers, not all, but a lot of them do cheat. Like they use supplements or yes. Viagra and things like that. But not back then. Back in those days, you told them my guys from 60s, 70s, 80s, and, and then like early to mid 90s, late 90s even, before internet. These guys been judged and didn't give a fuck. No. They're into women so much, and these women are into fucking, and there's no Viagra. They're really that were You like, really had to be a horny dude. You yeah. really had to want it, and the cameras are there, and. And they didn't give a shit about consequences, society judging them. They were that into it. Yes, and still there's some guys like that that are known on sets and stuff just to be horn dogs they just have a gift you know they just they just see women and it's on um what was it like in 93 or 94 when you went what was your first experience what was it like first the first time you ever went to the convention i met i think that's the year i might have met a lot of the people that i've stayed friends with you know guy Guy to silva there was john doe there was jake steed there was uh, Sean Michaels, uh, there was uh, TT Boy, um, and, and all these guys, Alexanders, they they were totally accessible. They were like handshake dudes. They were like Ed Powers, like go to the casino, let's waste our money. It's like Tana, what are you doing tonight? I'm in room whatever. Let's hang out. Okay, Th- these guys were like they didn't really know 
what they were doing because the industry was still so new for no-name people to just get into it. And I think this is true with like comedians and radio personality and porno, but what fans really appreciate, you could literally talk to them and hang out with them. L- yeah. It's not even possible with the Hollywood stars. No. There's, a, there's handlers, there's bodyguards. The, there's just something quaint, they're, nice about that. You know? And the girls that knew back then in the, in the late 80s, you know, the early 90s, they knew that the guys that were coming out to these conventions were true. That they were being vilified in their little hamlets and towns. Yeah. They knew that these guys that came all the way to Vegas to meet them or to the Fox Awards or People's Choice or any of the award shows back in, the, in this era, these were true fans. The girls really treated these guys nice Yeah. because it, it took a lot to rent the tapes, buy the tapes, become a fan. If you wanted to contact a girl, you had to write a letter and send it in the mail. And so it was... It, it was a, a whole different appreciation for the fan and for the the pervert. Now, because, because guys literally have to go, unless it's one of those mom and pop video store where back room there's a small section of porn. If you're really like old school pervert, you go to a porn shop. Yes. And you're always worried about walking out of there. The neighbors might see you. Your yes. mother and father might, you know, that kind of bullshit we have to do. Even then, there's guys who would fend through chance of getting humiliated. They were like a big fan of porn. Yes. And guys went to porn convention and told them how much of a fan they were. You know, it, it, it's, it's really quaint, but those were the good old days. It's really different now. And so... I didn't really give a shit about going this year. No, it, no, but back then it was fun. There was like, uh, the you know, Janet, Janet Jack Me. There was um, Heather Hunter. Those were like uh, the ethnic, and then the white girls were like, um, uh, what's her name? She was so gorgeous. Chasey Lane was amazing. Even before that, um, what was her Man, I'm starting to lose these names now. It, Paula Zane? Taylor Hayes. Or Z- Taylor Hayes, yes. Um, uh, Bridget Bardot, oh no, what's her name? Um, Rebecca Bardot. Yeah. Rebecca uh, Lord. Rebecca Lord. Oh yeah, I remember, of course, Shannon McCullough goes back. And there's more and more names. Vanessa Del Rio. I mean, I mean, you know, give us an hour in a pencil. I think we we could jot down maybe 200. And and it's really strange when you meet them because they're so sexy. But one thing that pops in my head is they're always sexy, but they're always first sexual. You know, you feel that energy. Well, the people the, back then they didn't do it for attention. Back in those days, girls were doing it. A lot of them they were doing it because. They were really, really into what they were doing. They were and, great. And there's a... I would say porno girls... I think they're more connected to nurses and caretakers than they are to prostitutes and strippers. Mm-hmm. In in that... Remember, we're still talking about this era. Uh, at least in my head, around the 90s. The late 80s, early 90s. Meaning a nurse or caretaker that... These women had a, a real understanding of what men needed and what we are, what what kind of crying babies we are and what kind of milk we need. Like they understood it. It wasn't wrong for a guy to want to masturbate all the time or there wasn't an issue with, you know, a guy owning a thousand videos. These women understood it wasn't just a throwaway pervert that there's a science and a love. It's, it's Some people say, how could you work with invalids? How could you work with wheelchair people? How could you change their diapers and wipe the spit off their mouths? You're right. It takes a special person to understand what life in that chair must be like. 
and working with children. It, you have to understand what the crying and the fussiness and all that about a baby is, or you can't work with babies. And in this era, these women, what made them popular is not just they were like slutty and hot. They understood men. They understood the psyche of us and what we needed. And it wasn't much. You know what? They're like, I'll shake my boobs and sign an autograph. And these guys would float away for a year in, in just total joy that they met this nasty, slutty, hot chick who loves to suck dick and get fucked in the ass. And she kissed me on the cheek. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I know, it's like, that's what I'm, you see what I'm talking about? Yeah. These girls now, they're not. Next, hi, sweetheart. Hi, honey. Hi, sweetie. Next. It's like, you know what I'm saying, Yo? Yeah. There's a new era afoot. Where there they're, isn't... They're, they're, not a, they're not whores for the right reason. They're attention whores. Yes. They're not even into it. Quite often, I meet a girl, they're not even really into what they're in. And it really took all the fun out of it. I mean, you started going like 93, 94, and you went for every year until 1999, right? Basically. Yes. Yeah. Man, uh, not, yeah, I'm a, I'm a seven or eight year veteran, probably. Maybe more. I, I kind of lost track. I, it just became like, it became the yearly event. January, we're going to the convention, and it just wasn't a question for I years. Went, I think I think I went 13, 14 years straight until last year. I just realized, well, it had something to do with me losing the job in it. But all the fun thing that used to be associated with porn convention, it's gone. It's just it's, a business meeting. It's almost like a swap meet. Yeah, it's, you're it's right. Not, Yuck. It's not fun. You guys missed it. Those days are gone. Maybe in Venus Fair in Berlin, that might be different. Yeah. But I think the stuff that I really liked from the late 90s that I, when I started going that fun and enjoy and like that's all that shit that I love about it it's, it's gone Tana it's really gone I think you went that seven years that you went I would rather trade those 14 years with those seven years because those, those were the times yeah I mean it was like I, I'm in the hotel room with John Leslie and um, Joey Silvera mm -hmm. because at the time I'm was really getting to know and being friends with uh, this girl in the business. I guess you can use the uh, stage name, right? Yeah. Uh, Selena? Yes. Their name? So she uh, was, was... Beautiful girl. Wow. I mean, it was covers, covers, covers for her. It was nobody effed around. Andrew Blake gave her a solo cover. For those and of you who don't know Andrew Blake, he is one of the top-notch erotic uh, director. But his stuff is not necessarily... There's a sex scenes. You see a lot of beautiful young women naked. yes it's it's not they're not super raunchy they are very they, i mean these are like if you want to watch models men and women yeah have sex in castles and in uh waterfalls <laughs> that's like that's andrew blake and in the 90s and if you he was spending a million on a porno one movie and if you're if if you're Andrew Boy girls, it's it's kind of like almost like a poor man's version of James Bond's girl. Yes, they're that good looking, and they're only a handful. There's only so many girls ever on the planet that can say I was an Andrew Blake cover girl. There's there. It's like it's a very special thing, and this girl was she like, was it like, like Anita Blondes of the world. Yes, yeah. totally. And so um, she was cool, and we were like hanging out, and. Um, and she was really a fun, uh, cool person and really funny. We're getting along so well. So she was sharing a room with, I think, maybe Chris. Guy to, Guy to Silva, uh-huh. Guy to Silva. 
and we went to next door was Joey. And so since I went to see her, she goes, let's go over and see Joey. So we went to see Joey and he's like, what's up? That's when I first met him. I said, I work in these shops. And back then- I love well, Joey Silvera. Yeah, one Joey the, Silvera is like- the greatest man. The, the greatest. Not just porn, but one of the greatest guy I ever met in my life. Well, that's what Joey's, one of the examples of what's special about porn is that you can you can combination words in porno you can't in other um, sort of entertainment yeah. or media I don't know what to say genres mm -hmm. you you can put for Joyce you can put words that go like perverted gentlemen together yeah you can put words like you know um, he has he's got like a nasty love for women it's like that he's these people bridge everything that you think about what people are. Whatever you're into, you can find it in Joyce Rivera's movie, but there's nothing deviant or promoted no. by him. It's almost like childlike appreciation yes. for women. Yes. And so he's he's so he's there and this is uh and then of course um there's also uh who has the same was there too? John Leslie. Yes. And John Leslie, you know, Again, another of the bygone era, the guys that came out of film from the East Coast. Um, well, and the West Coast, the, too. One of the greatest male actor in adult business, John Leslie. Yes, yes. If anyone is a, you know, Rutger Hauer, a, a like, you know, actor's actor, yeah. and it was him. And so, here's these guys hanging out. So, shake hands, nice to meet you. Um, where do you work? Seattle. Oh, you know, they know music venues. They know other musicians and artists that live in Seattle. And you wouldn't just think that. You wouldn't think that these porn guys have other interests, have other interests at all. But, but then do. John Leslie's deep into jazz, wine appreciation. He paints. He paint, the, the, you'll meet cigar aficionados that Great literally chef. go to Cuba and, and have pictures with the owners of the shop. It's like... Great chef. Yes, yes. These... These guys get, have way, you know, among the women, there's chemists and PhDs and biologists and mathematicians. It's like, it would shock you. But anyway. And, and, and John Leslie's one of those guys, unlike most guys, there's some elements in porno where guys hate women. John Leslie wasn't one of those guys. He really loved no. women. He cared about them. Even if they're not filming certain girls, if they're not doing what John was concerned, he was that kind of guy. Yes. And so, it's always Joey, Joey Severa. So I got to meet these guys. And you get on a first name basis. Then the next year goes by. And then you call for, you know, a favor. Um, hey, can we get a neon sign? Can we get some posters? Do you guys have any more advertising stuff? Sure, Tana. You're a Seattle guy, right? Yeah, okay. Thank you, Rick. And then oh, you're picking up names. And then you go to the next convention. Hey, you're Rick. Hey, you're Tana. Yeah. And then, hi. And then... Your magazine distributors, your your lotions, your lubes, your toys, your whips, your leather goods. All of a sudden, there's a, a whole family of people that are hated by everybody else that love you. And there's a there's something protective. It's like being in the arms of like a mother bear. Most people want to shoot the bear, but you know if anyone comes after the bear, you're safe. But you also know that everyone wants to kill you. It's a strange place to be inside porn. Just imagine in those you watch times. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson's great Boogie Night. You know, minus the, all the weird shit like robberies and murder and things like that. But there's this family feelings. You know, yes. these uh, 
not gonna lie, there's pretty good chunk of porno people they didn't have a good family background or abusive relationship or abuse or whatever but this is one place they could go and, and feel like they're protected and also what people don't understand too is like when they say people are bound by a common enemy um, you know Hitler used the Jews you know blah 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 we can we can there's a million examples what it's like at that era to be in porn is that you're bound because you are the enemy yeah. <laughs> that that's what binds you together you're the hated party and it's strange to be inside the hated party and feel so much love. I don't know if I'm describing that right. No, but I know exactly what you mean. Um, so th this was the time, and I hope we're, we're describing this correctly, about the, the brotherhood, the energy, the, like, welcome in, like, wow, you made it through the force field of religion and bullshit and hatred and all of that, and you have arrived with us. Welcome, soldier. Get on this motorcycle with us. Let's let the wind feel the sails. Let's sail away together. That, that's what it was like to be around these guys, to have first name bases, handshakes. So then you come to the convention again, and it's, you know, you're nervous. You want to be respectful. You want to wait in line. They won't let you. Hey, Seattle, what's it, Tana? Hey, you met him, right? This is our guy from whatever. He ordered the handshakes, slaps sure. on the backs. Big old Italian guys, Greeks. It, you know what I mean? It's It was just great. It was a whole, come on over here. Hey, what do you think about her? Whispering, uh, you know, John Doe. Hey, man, um, he's getting done with his signatures. He's on, like, his last two in his line. Yeah. Big star for a while. Um, men and women really loved John Doe because he was a legitimate model. Um, Mark Davis was a legitimate model. Nice guys. Yes, and they're nice Mark guys. David, Mark Davis, you could, you could still find his postcard down in Venice Beach yep. place. it's like where he, you know you, you go back 20 years ago he was like a swimsuit model. He, he was yeah Mark Davis um, it's just they also were able to sling dick yeah. and so um, to but hang go, out with these guys oh go but, ahead but going go back with the Selena boy what a beautiful girl and uh, yeah are we going tall do we better have cash do you have cash um, I think so all right sorry we had to pause for a second again um so go back to Selena. I have to say, when I saw the picture of her in one of the Voyeur movie for John Leslie, yes, boy, beautiful girl. What a body on that girl. Yeah, and the um, the shot on the cover that she did for Andrew Blake, and then on the back, mm -hmm. you know, it was just her. Like a lot of a lot of boxes will have scenes on the back that'll fill the thing. So what was she like, person? Um, really sweet and fun, and really like wanted a boyfriend, like wanted like a guy for her own. Um, type of girl and would fly up to see me I would fly down to see her and knowing what she did it was just cool for me like I didn't how I, come you didn't make it to work I met her well oh living away and then she like was also traveling like working mm -hmm. in the business and I was up and once in a while I was like hey maybe I can visit you maybe I can visit you and eventually that just like ends just a, a week goes you know, too many days go by and yeah. no one calls and then you get into other stuff. But it definitely would probably be a, a, a big old hug and a hoot and a holler to see her again. We would both be happy to see each other. She was like a really cool person and doing a very difficult thing. I mean, that to be in that business is no joke. And that era, that time, that where you could touch these people, you could make relationships with them, they were accessible. They they were 
they were still open to filling up the pirate ship. You were still allowed to be part of it. And there were guys that would just come to the conventions and take pictures all the time, and these guys were in. These guys would go to house parties. And they were just like weird, greasy nerds with cameras, but they were respectful and they were appreciative and they were real people. And so here's this super hot starlet slut of the business on top of her game and you would go to some party that she's hosting and here's a couple of these weird slimy guys that are at the conventions and you're like, right on. <laughs> like She's like, these are my boys. Right. They get to be here. They're totally dedicated. I don't know how much money they spend on my bullshit, but these, it's like, nowadays you won't, you, these girls, Yosh, yes or no, they don't want those characters around their little thing. When they're at the standard, when they're at the sky bars, you want hot and sexy fans even. You, they almost... It's like, it's weird to see. There used to be like midgets and weirdos. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really, you know what I mean? It's, it's different now because it's so mainstream. It lost really the charm. They want hipsters around yeah. them. Yeah. They, they don't. It's almost watching like comedy at Hollywood Improv. It's too cool to laugh, you know? And it's, I don't know how to explain it. It, it doesn't have the quaint and charm in the past. I, I noticed that it really changed. I think one thing about it, the internet, it really is because... It changed like six, seven years for me. It really has Yes. Changed. And I think for the girls, they don't know if you're a fan nowadays for buying and following their work or just looking at them free on the internet. Sure. And back in that time, you knew they were spending money on you when they were a fan. When people showed up to see Nina Hartley in 1992 at the conventions, she knew they went through something. They've been opening their wallets. Yeah, there's no free shit. There's no, there was no uh, uh, free lunch then. And to be a modern girl in this business, she can get a huge fan base off of nobody giving her any money at all. And there's a, that's a whole different feeling. And there's a lot of this fake celebrity tape, where sex tapes, where they pretend like it was accidentally yes. released, whatever, which is complete fucking bullshit. And these semi-famous yes. people become super rich while these porn girls do really hard work, you know, making a grand or 1500 or whatever it is for anal scene or even less these days. Yeah. Girls in the past really work hard for their money. And I don't know, it's just everything's up is down and everything down is up. And yes. I don't know how to make sense out of the porno business right now because the internet has really changed everything. You don't have to earn it anymore to get it. And, and that was a big part of the late 80s, early 90s era, was that you had to earn it. I had to buy a plane ticket. I had to get a hotel room all on my own dime. I had to buy film. I had to bring my own... It's like, yeah, if even, you didn't want to do that... goddamn pictures, it was a regular film. You have to go to yep. drug stores and develop them. Yep. And they're judging you with the pictures you yep. took, you know? And even that shit didn't bother me because I was so into seen those girls every yes summer. even guys like once you become friends and fans yeah them, it's know? fun because they give you the stories and some like I'd be sitting there talking with a guy like John right and yeah. he's like yeah and I'd, I'd ask him you know what do you think of her and what do you think oh she's cool you know I had her at my hotel last night yeah you know she loves strawberries or something like <laughs> and you're going what and you're in and they're sharing it and these are and these guys in these this era they were doing it because no one else could do it. They they were literally like studs. 
it was hard to do. It was like the cameras and the lights. You you can't do amphetamines or coke to have sex. Your your dick will shrink. You can smoke some weed. Mm-hmm. You may have a drink, but other than that, you got to bring it. For sure. And these guys were like the guys who could. And so okay, we're going to steal it the right way. When you said that it's uh, we're back. Go ahead. Okay. That yes, there's a lot of people that wanted to be around it. You know, all the news, anytime there's a sexual story, it has to be on the news for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be around porn. Everyone wants to be close to it. Everyone wants to hear about it, but nobody wants to be in it. You know, no one wants to really take the plunge. And that's why I chose to participate in the industry myself, to not be one of those sort of sideline people in life and that always had to wonder what it was really like and for these guys who I made friends with what's it like for TT boy Jake Steed what what's it like to be I miss guy, those guys guy to Silva you know yeah what 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 do they go through you know lights camera action here's a girl you don't know you know porker it's like what is that like and pornography and making porn it is like war no matter what you've read or what you've studied if you haven't been in it you're missing something and I didn't want that I had been around it too long that I thought if I don't make some porn then I'm full of shit I just felt like that like I don't want to leave this time in my life Mm -hmm. and just be this giggling housewife who made friends, made lifelong friends, you know, stayed in homes and shared family secrets with these guys and not really be one of them. It felt, oddly enough, dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, you know, when you make that leave, they made a movie with Joe Galan, the, the Black Mirror Productions, and I have to say, that Joe Gallant's movies are not the most traditional convention of porn. No. He was doing all kinds of weird shit like milk enema and things like that. And you guys filmed it in San Francisco and New York City which is really the real early home of porn. Yes. And we wanted to really touch both places. And now, Yoshi, you can give me advice on this. And what do you think? I rarely give out the name of the movie and I never give out the name that I used in the movie. Yeah. Because I like that mystery. And you know what? You can dig it up if you want to. Yes. It's not the most difficult search. So I always, when I do podcasts, I, I leave it hanging right there. Yeah, don't say it. You don't have to okay, say it. Okay, okay. Yeah. No, I was going to say, if you if you said said it, I don't know if I care or not. I'd just say it. But if... It's funny if people actually could find it. Yes. Now, Joe Gallant and Black Mirror Productions is a huge head start. Yes. If you can't find it from there. But yes, we filmed in Manhattan. Here we are, double penetrating Angel Baby on the the rooftop in Manhattan. Right. And there's... there's, I don't remember remember that. There's a party going on across another roof with like, you know, Japanese lantern lights. You know, those paper lanterns. And they were pissed and they're yelling at us to stop, like get our clothes on, get off the roof. While I'm trying to like do her in the app she's sitting on top of Dino yeah and then I'm Dino, in her butt Dino, Dino Bravo right yes yeah. 
and then I'm in her butt, and we're trying to do it while people are yelling at us from another room. They fucking burn right about And then, um, and I turn over, I'm bent over. She's like eating my ass, and I'm bent over this like like pipe coming out of this roof. It was, it was real life, old school porn. Like they like they used to do it. I mean, it was real down home cooking that. Um, that Joe Gallant wanted to do. And were, you, were you there when uh, Michael Douglas' son, Cameron Douglas, was at the, the shoot? Did you meet him? No, which one was that? Okay, so, okay, because I went back up uh, maybe a month later, they were filming. I guess you, you missed it, I was there, but he's one of the friends, a production guy at the hotel. Okay. Uh, apartment that Joe Gallant was renting. That's right. And I came back like a month and a half, month or something, month and a half later, and one of the friends of production brought Cameron Douglas and I didn't make a connection until oh, after he left oh did we miss another one sorry we got another pause so Tana we could talk more about next one I, I wasn't really sure if you feel comfortable talking about your uh, being in front of the camera no it was uh, it was a time it was a reason you know if anyone wants to ask me it was a political move it was uh, a social mm -hmm. like sort of it was a piece of social commentary for me personally sure there was a lot of reasons to do it not and, and but almost I would have to say Tana pick one word why you did it it would have to be solidarity yeah. it would have to be solidarity is the main reason I a solidarity to the First Amendment to freedom to no South Yeah, that's gonna take us back. Okay. And and so that. By the way, when I say Michael Douglas, oh wait, uh, that is right. That uh, that goes back north again. Yeah. Um, okay. He just happened to hang out with people who were part of the production, but he had nothing to do with the porno movie. Yeah, he just was like. Yeah, he was just there. hanging out with his friends, so I didn't even know who he was. And I talked to him maybe an hour or so. Great guy. We talked about politics and things like that. He was very smart, funny, and charming. And I guess uh, within the next couple of days, he was going to Caribbean or something to visit his family or something like that. So he was nice. I didn't realize he was Michael Douglas' son until somebody told me. Like, wow, that's wild. Yeah, he was very nice. I'm and sorry, so I'm, I'm sorry he's in prison now, but yeah. <laughs> well, the 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 idea that Joe had when he first presented it mm -hmm. sounded like so great. And it was just exactly like the old school era, and he was talking about. We'll we'll the, we'll, we'll talk about next episode, you know, Joe and his movies and stuff. Yes. Um, you know, because our mom was home. We'll we'll talk more about it, but yeah. So. And I'll give you more details of what is it like coming up to actually make porn, do porn, unzip your pants in front of a strange girl. Um, the only thing you know about her is you got a copy of her passport <laughs> and her and that she you know she doesn't have AIDS. Yeah. That's all you know about her. And you're supposed to act yeah. that you love her, you have passion for her, she turns you on, and as good as actor as you are, if you don't convince your dick, you can't even start. And so Anyway, we can cover all. What what is that like? What's the process like? Sure. The testing like, the meeting the girl, um, the different personalities, the discipline it takes. But isn't it strange that how you were just shopping at the store, 
somebody give you a job, then you become even more serious. Then once you feel confident, like you're knowledgeable about the business, the next phase was go to the porn convention. Yes. Because, you know, it's a big business. Billions of dollars are spent in adult business. Yet, there aren't any school that you could go to learn about the business. No. You learn everything on your own. So you have to go to convention and actually meet these people, you know? So we are, um, we're definitely, um, <laughs> we're, I'm not saying we were pioneers, but we're definitely put our time. Yes. You know? I mean, you did stuff in front of the camera. I didn't do that, but I worked for Evil Angel, and I learned a lot about that business through them, too. So Yes, and and you were there on sets and stuff, and you get a real sure. sense of, like, And you I know, was there when you guys were filming stuff with Joe Galan yes. in New York City, and when you did, you know, a bunch of other stuff in San Francisco. But we'll cover all that. Um, I don't know. I don't know if anybody finds this stuff interesting, but it was interesting to me. I liked yes. it a lot. We could talk more about it. We could reminisce the past. We could talk about the people that we met and people that we like and people that we don't like in our business. And we could cover more of that. Um, do you want to say anything more before we finish this? Uh... Um, I think that's it. But we, yeah, we will continue on. Like, yes, I, I'm with you, Yosh. I don't know how interesting this is or whatever, but we, we are a throwback. We can tell you what it was like to have, you know, your feet on the ground in the late 80s, early 90s, um, around this industry that's that's really lost. Mm-hmm. It's gone. So we find it interesting to know and to have touched that era. So hopefully the listeners do too. Yeah, we'll cover it more, your career. Then after that, I'll cover Brazil and maybe Europe because I don't think you've been... No, I didn't go there. Yeah, so I'm trapped go- in America. Yes. He, he, he served this country as a Marine, but he can't get a fucking passport. Nope. We'll cover that too. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. I know it's loud audio shit. Yeah, I know. But uh, it's fucking free, so give me a break. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And uh, Tana? Uh, thanks for listening also. And we'll have more for you guys next